Hello, hello. Welcome. It's Chris. And hi, I'm Alice. And you're listening to Xena Made Me Gay. Ooh. <laughs> How did that happen? I can't <laughs> wait to find out. In the times of brick phones, Tamagotchis, and curtain bangs, the 90s kids cried out for a badass. She was Xena, the warrior princess. The kicks, the moves, the nostalgia, the queerness. Xena made us gay. into it all and what episode are we discussing today so today we are talking about episode six of season one called the reckoning this is very heterosexual episode and i kind of dig it oh no it's the first time (laughs) that i kind of traitor the hetero vibes in the episode yes how dare you (laughs) cancelled forever (laughs) i'll take it i'll take it um full disclosure i'm not going to talk about which character it is because maybe you're as like some of our listeners that are not familiar with xena warrior princess and they're just like listening to our recaps um instead of watching the episodes weirdos but we love you and thank you for doing that so i'm not <laughs> going to say which character it is but there is a character in this episode that i had a massive crush on when i was a teenager yeah i mean you had two massive crushes on two oh, yeah. different male characters it's it's yeah. a miracle you turned out as gay as you did in the end Phew. <laughs> Feel it dodged. <laughs> Thank the gods. Um, I agree. But yeah, I, I would say that the second character is even a bigger crush. But this one, a special place in my heart goes Aww. to this one. Yeah, I don't remember caring much about either of them when I was hmm. watching the show. Joxer was your childhood crush? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I have no idea what kind of a person I would have grown up if I had a crush on Joxer. Uh, no, I enjoyed Joxer, obviously, because I found him very funny, but I don't remember having a crush crush on anyone, actually, in the series. Hmm. Not even Xena? I think I wanted to be Xena. The, the eternal gay question, do you want to be with her or do you want to be her? And I think mm-hmm. it was leaning a little bit more towards me wanting to be her totally get what you're saying and maybe with those cool male characters that we mentioned i also wanted to be them because i i cannot remember Mm. being like oh oh he's hot oh his abs Ooh, i want to touch them (laughs) i never i never was like that i don't know if anyone is but like i i definitely wasn't you don't know whether anyone wants to touch people's abs i'm a demisexual i don't know enlighten me (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Good to know. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm here to answer any other questions you might have. Um, okay, so when people have sex, do they... Um, um, <laughs> uh, but coming back to my point, I always was like, oh, they're so funny and masculine and cool. So maybe I also wanted to be them instead of being with them. Yeah, and speaking of masculinity, <laughs> yes. the thing that I wanted to discuss with you today is male gays in TV shows or female gays in TV shows or lack thereof. Um, because I was traumatized recently by watching The Idol. <laughs> yeah, as I think many people were based on what I've been reading and in the social medias um i have not watched any of it because it seemed like a bad decision to make for my life good for Uh, you good for you (laughs) but uh, do do tell me about this horrible mistake that you've made (laughs) 
Okay, so um, I'm not going to recap this horrible TV show because it doesn't deserve it. But those of you who have watched The Idol know what I'm talking about. Those of you who haven't, good for you. <laughs> I salute you. But the thing is that they, there, is a, there is the show itself, The Idol, and there is the controversy behind the show. And since this podcast is going public, I'm just going to say right now that everything I say from now on is alleged. Allegedly this is what happened so what happened was that there was a female director who basically worked on the show and shot all the episodes five out of five episodes and then she had to be replaced when the show was almost ready because uh, some of the <laughs> famous uh, cast members thought that her view on the subject matter was too female so the subject of the matter is that there basically is a dude who is a cult leader and he dragged this young pop star into his cult and uh, there are all kinds of very shady and gross shit going on in this cult and he has a history of abuse and he's being abusive to her and all of this should be, you know, like, if you show it the way it is, it's kind of like too female. We cannot just show a woman being traumatized by being dragged in a cold. No, no, we should make her the villain because spoiler alert, but I don't care. Like <laughs> if you're not going to watch the show, uh, I'm doing you a favor. At the end, the tables have turned and it turns out that Jocelyn herself, the main character was the one that manipulated him and what the, was the one that orchestrated this whole thing. And in the end, she is like, okay, now stand over there. Like you're my little bitch. And I couldn't believe like anything that I was seeing on the show. Like I couldn't believe that people are actually doing that. But after finale, like my jaw was on the floor. I was like, seriously, like fucking seriously. And also like this famous cast member that we're talking about, he was like, oh, I, I kind of don't like this angle of my character being a cult leader. Mm, I know that he is, but maybe can we make him more relatable? <laughs> so. I don't know. I'm I'm waiting for shows with more relatable mass murderers, more relatable rapists, and all kind of dudes that need to be exonerated. Because, you know, we have to see their point of view. We cannot have a completely female perception of those things. Mm. It's just not right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, all those things you've been describing, th those shows do exist. Right? <laughs> Yeah. Like, oh, he's he's a mass murderer, but he's nice. <laughs> or this guy is a horrible criminal, but he's kind of cool. All of those shows <laughs> exist many times over. Uh, all these things you're wishing for, they, they have they have happened. Quote unquote wishing for. Yeah. Um, yeah yeah i get it i think that just because this show is new and it's 2023 and it seems that we're kind of like looking at things a little differently now it's a little surprising to see that kind of show but circling back i think that xena on the other hand there there is a little bit of male gaze in this show don't get me wrong like when when we see the opening titles and the camera pans from her boots to her boobies but still there are those subtle things that I really appreciate about women not just being like two sex symbols with boobs and weapons going around and like do you mean the two half-naked chicks being cool? yeah the two the two half-naked chicks actually have character and depth and uh, emotions and they're human beings and I really appreciate it about our favorite show oh yeah, it's it's interesting. I I feel like obviously Xena is not perfect in terms of uh, fully avoiding male gaze, but uh, mm -hmm. there are definitely moments in it where you're like, oh, this is nice. Yeah, yeah. Like one of the examples I could give is one of the episodes we discussed recently, uh, uh, The Path Not Taken, where there is as you remember, a gro gropey tavern and a rapey tavern. So in a, in a rapey tavern, there are dudes uh, sitting around and discussing, oh, and then I like 
grab her boobs or something like they're they're discussing assaulting women basically but the way that they're shown they're not shown as cool guys they're shown as disgusting guys and we're the way that that is shown we're making fun of the justification when one of them says oh harlot like we're showing how disgusting that is and those little glimpses of like how actually women can view those situations i really appreciate that so i think i made my peace with the idol by ranting about it oh <laughs> good for you yeah thank you <laughs> thank you for giving me this outlet and um, now we can move on to a good show for a change oh so Yes. Um, okay. So we open with Zena and Gabrielle looking for, for the road, which they say should have been there already an hour ago, and yet it's not. So maybe they're lost. Mm -hmm. And Zena is riding Argo and Gabrielle is walking. So uh, her, her feet are really tired. Poor Gabrielle. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, at first I was like, could Zena just not let Gabrielle ride behind her? That's that's weird. Why why is this happening? Uh, but later we're reminded that uh, the relationship between Argo and Gabrielle is quite difficult. And I think Gabrielle thinks that Argo hates her. Aww. <laughs> so she's suffering suffering because she she doesn't have a, a very good <laughs> relationship with Zena's horse. And then Gabrielle leaves uh, to scope out the, the surroundings, leaving, leaving Zena um, alone with Argo. And suddenly, Zena hears someone crying out for mercy. And uh, of course, she's, she's Zena. She immediately rushes into the, the place that, that she hears those, those cries from. And it's an open field where some mysterious hooded guy uh, seems to have killed a bunch of villagers and is about to also do the last one in. Yeah, and I really think that this opening shot of the slaughter is pretty effective. We don't understand exactly what happens at first, but we see cameras slowly go from one dead body to the other. And it's not too graphic, but it's pretty pretty somber what we see and we instantly understand that that's like real violence and not comic key type violence that we often encounter with Xena Warrior Princess and just uh, I don't know bad guys being shoved away and like I don't know hit in the head this is real serious and that's what we understand right away yeah yeah the the tone is set quite quite effectively and quickly and so Obviously, Xena starts fighting this mystery murderer, and the guy's pretty good. I think this is the first time in the series we see her kind of meet her match in terms of fighting skills. That is enhanced by the fact that at one point, the guy suddenly disappears, like literally disappears into thin air, and then shows up right behind her. And they they fight. Uh, the guy somersaults into the sky <laughs> and disappears completely. We also see that while they're fighting, one of the villagers who hasn't yet died sees a part of their fight and then either passes out from his injuries or, or dies. And when Zina is fairly certain that the, the hooded dude is gone, she goes to another wounded villager because she notices that, that he's still alive because he moans in, in pain and she tries to tend to his wounds. Mm -hmm. So I have two points about this scene. Um, the first one, uh, when Zena notices that the hooded guy is a very good fighter, she has this satisfied chuckle on her face and uh, then she charges into another attack. And I love that about Zena because we can see that she actually enjoys fighting and she actually enjoys strong uh, opponents mm -hmm. so we whenever for example see hercules enjoying fighting he's always like he has this face like oh i'm a strong son of a god and then you try to fight me and you're so pathetic but like okay i'm, I'm gonna <laughs> indulge you by fighting you <laughs> but actually let's all i don't know, i don't know just let, let's all be friendly because like look at you you cannot, you're not a match for me <laughs> yeah i remember very little of uh 
Kevin Sorbo's acting, which is <laughs> a blessing. <laughs> you, you're generous by saying acting. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know what he looked like when, when he fought uh, people, but I, I believe you. Yeah, but coming back to Xena, I, I love that she has this side of her, and that kind of checks out with the story of her character. She was a fierce warlord. She enjoyed violence and now she's kind of like tamed the side of her but still when she meets her match she's like oh, okay well, bring it on <laughs> yeah yeah and the second point is this is one of the episodes that is going to play with the genre a little bit and i think that's why i like it so i like how important details are set at this very short scene when people when xena is um tending the wounded so she is placing the hub of her sword on the wounded villager's neck to put pressure on his neck uh to like not not let the him bleed out to death i guess and she uses the tie from his purse also tied around his leg and stop the bleeding so all of those details are going to be important they're clues that gabrielle is going to use later on so that's that's what i also enjoyed <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's some really good planting and it's it's not shown as like this sneaky detail so that you can later rewind and be like, oh right, this happened. Like they they make it clear that what is happening is important. Um and it you get reminders of what has happened quickly enough so that you're like, oh, yes, yes, I remember this happening. Uh, this this now makes sense. I get why certain characters make certain assumptions and why they're wrong, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. like it's a very simple story, of course, but since they're playing detective a little bit, like the best detectives are the ones where the clues are all out in the open. And it's not like, oh, we didn't show you this little red thing that was hidden in the wall the whole time, audience. So you don't know what's coming. Like in the best detectives, the audience should know what's coming if they're paying attention. Right, right. So as Zina is trying to to help this this wounded villager, suddenly a whole bunch of of other people uh, from, from, we assume, the same village run into the field, including a blonde woman with two braids who looks like a milkmaid from a cheap porn. That's that's the best <laughs> description I can I can give you. I don't know, maybe she's in the same porn that, that porno dad from a few episodes ago was from. <laughs> it's... Love it. Like... <laughs> For me, she's by far the most comical character we've encountered so far. The 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 lady literally shouts "husband" <laughs> to one of the wounded villagers because that's how humans speak. Yeah, and she's she's trying. I mean, this extra is trying, but also her like we already mentioned the acting from the extras is sometimes notoriously bad. So. She's trying to fake cry. She's like, ah, ah. It's very funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Poor lady. I, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe she's doing the best. And uh, when you're put in a in a sexy milkmaid outfit and giving lines like "husband," that's there's not much you can do. Um, but yeah, yeah, she's. She didn't win the Oscars that year. Um, <laughs> so as as the villagers arrive and uh, kind of realize what what has happened to to their friends and husbands, um, <laughs> there's no small talk from from any of them. <laughs> the the first thing that Zena says is literally, we have to stop the bleeding. So there's no like what happened or who the fuck are you or I saw this. They they arrive and Zina's like, we have to stop the bleeding. <laughs> Which I mean, yeah, sure. Her social skills are not the most perfect. <laughs> no, no, and, and Zina generally is very to the point with with her dialogues. She doesn't like to say any extra words. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the milkmaid is like, no, 
don't you have enough blood on your hands? Assuming that the Xena was the one who did all the killing. And I guess it's a fair assumption based on the fact that Xena is the only one there and she's covered in blood and she, she has literal blood on her hands and she has a bloody sword. But then why would she be talking about stopping the bleeding? I, I don't know. But also like, you do literally need to stop the bleeding. That's true. <laughs> like, okay, let's, let's assume that Xena did kill all those people. It's still a, a fact that you need to stop the <laughs> But yeah, whatever. Um, so everyone surrounds Xena and she's like, now wait a minute. Um, <laughs> that also is a funny line. <laughs> it's a very funny line and it actually reminds me of uh, Hercules' uh, iconic disappointed moment. <laughs> <laughs> where he's like you can you can see him realize things in, in real time so the writing so far is uh, yikes so the villagers try to arrest Zena, but she runs towards argo and somersaults in the air just like the mystery dude um except she lands on argo and rides away. She rides towards Gabrielle and um, finds her having a chill time washing herself in a stream. She looked so cozy in there and she was having such a great time. I, I feel for Gabrielle. <laughs> so Zena makes Gabrielle climb, climb up onto Argo. And this is when Gabrielle reminds us that she, she believes that this horse hates me. <laughs> as the the villagers approach them and they ride away but we cut to a scene inside the village where the local elder does some exposition for us uh -huh. and um he informs us that dina and gabrielle won't be able to escape and that the preparations for the trial should start mm -hmm. there's one of the villagers who looks and talks like he knows what a fax machine is <laughs> i i can't explain this better there there is a guy and the he just does not belong you know um uh, that's that's actually something that i've heard talked about um recently in 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 some articles that some actors kind of have a smartphone face mm -hmm. like they they know what a smartphone is and thus they don't make sense in period dramas there's uh, this relatively recent jane austen film i think it was persuasion and um the the actor who who played the the lead role dakota johnson dakota johnson just looked so out of place there and a lot of people commented on it saying yeah because she she has a face of someone who knows what an iphone is yeah and so it's it's the 90s so there's no iphone yet but i <laughs> i tried to think of like a piece of modern technology for 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 the 90s and i was like fax machine so this villager looks and talks like he knows what a fax machine is <laughs> and that will keep distracting me the entire episode so anyway <laughs> the the fax machine guy makes an argument that a trial is not needed because Zena was right there and clearly she she did it and also everyone really liked the guys that were killed so we don't need a trial yeah yeah he tries to rile up the villagers but he is doing that not by stating evidence why Xena definitely definitely killed those guys, but he's like, weren't there good guys? Wasn't this particular guy that she killed a good guy? Didn't you all like him? Yeah, then we should execute Xena. Simple as that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the logic is uh, bulletproof. Yeah, but also I wanted to point out uh, that the fax machine guy's real name is Piranus. <laughs> So I almost expect everyone else to be named Lobsterus, Tunas, and Shocknados. So the local elder tries to convince everyone that a trial is the way to go, uh, but everyone's super convinced that killing Xena is all they need. 
And then the hooded guy appears mm -hmm. again out of thin air amongst the villagers, but it seems like he's invisible because nobody reacts. And uh, plus one of them walks right through him as the hooded dude smiles. So he's invisible and also, I don't know, he's a hologram. <laughs> I don't know how that... And also he has a very nice beard. Oh, That's God. <laughs> nice is one way to describe it. Horrific is another. Please vote. It's it's a lot. Let's let's say that. It's it's not it's not a subtle beard. It's um uh, it's a beard with a lot of personality. Oh yeah. The beer is wearing him and not the other way around. Anyway, um, actually, I, I thought that the special effect of the the villager walking right through the, the hooded guy was pretty well done. Like, it looked mm -hmm. pretty smooth. Yeah, I, I generally don't associate Xena with uh, high-quality special effects. And it seems that generally the budget for the series wasn't that big um but sometimes they manage to do quite a lot with quite little and i mm -hmm. i like that i think we, we live in a in a time where people manage to do very little with a lot uh in, <laughs> in movies uh looking at all of those uh horrible superhero movies that keep uh being shoved down our throats uh <laughs> With I'm not as opposed to them, but go on. <laughs> giant budgets and uh, really nothing to to show for it. Um, so it's it's nice to see the the opposite of that. So meanwhile, Gabrielle is feeling very certain that the villagers won't hurt Zena. Uh, it's uh, Gabrielle's uh, typical optimism showing again mm -hmm. as, as we remember from last episode uh even when she was about to get executed the next day she was like oh but nobody really communicates and this if we just communicated uh <laughs> more everything would be fine but xena of course has seen a lot more in in her life and she she knows that ordinary people can get really bloodthirsty and so she's a lot less sure that things will be all right. Um, no. Zena also says that mm -hmm. the hooded assassin was a very good fighter and maybe even better than her, which is quite a claim. And Zena has her suspicions about who it might be. Zena asks Gabrielle to get the fuck away if something happens to them. So she definitely has a really bad feeling about this whole situation and is already foreseeing some some trouble that she might not even be able to get out of yeah yeah and i really like that here Zina already figured out who the hooded guy was because yeah as you said gabriel asks uh, do you have any idea who it might have been and Zina says maybe and it's the sort of maybe that really seems that oh yeah yeah she knows mm -hmm. And as predicted by the, the villagers, Zina and Gabrielle find an, an impasse and so they have to come back the, the way they went and they're, they are captured by the villagers. Zina fights them off for a while, but Gabrielle is held hostage. So Zina asks them to let Gabrielle go, which they do and she surrenders. And the mm -hmm. fax machine guy immediately knocks her out with a shovel. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, I, I remember reading somewhere that for some reason, people get knocked out by getting hit on the head a lot in TV and, and movies. And they just wake up later, maybe feel some pain, but that's kind of it. But I read somewhere that Actually, anytime that happens to you, you suffer pretty much irreversible damage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
it's one of those movie um w- widespread movie misconceptions like uh a broken car explodes mm. that we have in a lot of action films and also yeah like in a lot of action films or in this case adventure tv shows xena knocks out a lot of baddies or like here xena gets knocked out and without pretty much without consequences but yeah, in real life there very much are consequences and also right before xena gets gets knocked out with a shovel uh, she gives gabrielle this knowing smirk and i also th- it i even remember when i was watching it as a team i found it so cool it's this dark silent types that are like oh yeah i'm going to get knocked out it's okay baby i'll come back like she's so sexy when she's doing that (laughs) yeah so uh, we cut to xena awake but standing up in some dungeon chained and stripped of her armor so she's standing in this i don't know how to describe that dress it's it's a kind of like a nightgown ish if you have if you take a nightgown and shrunk it that's <laughs> that's that's this dress yeah yeah it's it's extremely short it, it it like just about covers her breast and just about covers her underwear yeah well on the other hand we have to be glad that she's wearing underwear at all it's ancient greece then gabrielle asks Zeno why she didn't fight and Zena replies that uh, it would have been a slaughter if she did. Mm-hmm. And reminds Gabrielle that she told her to get the fuck away if anything happens. And if something did happen, why is Gabrielle there? Run! Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> she tells Gabrielle to save herself uh, as they are up against more than you know. Because she knows who the hooded guy is. Yes. Gabrielle responds to that is. I think you're just feeling a little negative at the moment. <laughs> it's like, I know that Gabrielle doesn't mean it, but really it sounds like, I don't know, when, when people say to people with depression, like, maybe you should just get some sunshine, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, just look at the positive side of life. Yeah. yeah it's not it's, that bad. It's very bad. <laughs> so in her undying optimism, Gabrielle tells Zena she'll get her out of there and leaves. Yeah, but I think that I want to talk about it a, a little bit because I think that that's an important part of that is an important development in Gabrielle's and Zena's relationship because it's the first season and Zena, whenever there is like serious trouble, still sometimes is, oh, I need to sacrifice myself and you just need to get the fuck out. And I think that that's important that Gabrielle repeatedly states in this episode that no, she also is prepared to sacrifice her life for Xena and risk her life for Xena and she's not going anywhere. Also in very real human relationship that sometimes is important to hear if you had trouble in that area that your partner, they're going to be there for you, really, like no matter what. And in further seasons, like in seasons down the line, we see that Xena already is past that and she does not expect Gabrielle to bolt whenever there is serious trouble she knows that she'll be there yeah I think it's sweet it is sweet Uh, I I agree that Xena here has the expectation that she will be abandoned it it takes her and and Gabrielle time to convince each other that no it's okay to to be there for one another so when Gabrielle leaves Zena, suddenly uh, the hooded assassin appears out of <laughs> thin air in, in the dungeon where, where Zena is and taunts Zena for getting herself in this situation. Then he tells her that she probably doesn't know who he is and she's like, nah, I, I do. You're Ares, god of war. <laughs> Which given that they were actually known each other before presumably we don't know for sure from the scene like at at this point we don't know but later we find out that that they do already know each other and given that this conversation seems a bit silly like we get that exposition is important but it's like if your old pal bob 
appeared to you in a cloak <laughs> and was like, Ooh, I bet you don't know who I am. And you'd be like, no, I think I do know who you are. I think you're Robert Robertson, senior project manager. <laughs> uh, yeah, that also confused me. And at this point, I was not sure of the nature of their relationship and whether she has seen him before or not and knows Ares personally. But we have been shown warlords who serve Ares, but they never seen him. They just assume that what they're doing is serving the god of war. So maybe Xena was that sort of war- warlord and maybe she didn't have a chance to meet him until she bailed on him and now she he's just oh no 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 uh i'm going to appear before you and i'm going to make some effort into bringing you back <laughs> so aries immediately magically frees xena of her chains he introduces himself to to xena as her former mentor and still her biggest fan xena says that she's always used to wonder what he looked like making the expositional dialogue a little bit more logical. But again, like given their history, I just don't really see how it's possible that she hasn't seen him before. <laughs> um, whatever. Then we find out that Ares is straight uh, because <laughs> he gives Xena the shittiest half-assed back rub. And three seconds later, he's like, oh, is it better? Oh, yeah, of course it is. <laughs> Did you come, baby? <laughs> <laughs> so when when I was watching, especially for the first time as a teen, I kind of loved that back rub, and I loved the stupid masculine energy that Aries <laughs> exudes. And I'm saying I love the back rub because I think I remember it. Like I almost everything with Aries, I remember distinctly because I was rewatching those episodes. <laughs> Um, but mentoring without being able to see your mentor in person, for me, it's kind of Phantom of the Opera style. <laughs> so I kind of imagine Ares as the angel of music now. And he's like, <laughs> oh, Xena, come, my dear, lift up your sword. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I mean, you did you did warn us that there are musical episodes coming, maybe. <laughs> Maybe that will be included in one of them. I promise it's the last bit of musical that I'm going to do during this episode. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, don't make promises you can't, you can't keep. <laughs> no, the, this episode only. Okay. <laughs> um, so after giving Zeno the shittiest back rub, um, <laughs> he asked her to take his hand. Which she surprisingly does, no questions asked. And he magically teleports her into a bedroom. Yeah, which is very, also it's a very specific dialogue. Ares says, give me your hand. Come with me out of yourself into what is wonderful. And what is wonderful in Ares's mind is a bedroom. And that kind of reminds me when Carrie Bradshaw asked Mr. Big what he thought heaven looked like, and he said, a big bed. <laughs> Continuing with the straightness of it all. Yeah, <clears throat> rest in peace, Mr. Big. Hope you are hanging out on a big bed somewhere. Pel- the, the, no Peloton inside. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so Xena accuses Ares of murdering the villagers. Um, but he says that the one that Xena tended to might still recover. So that's important information. Also, Ares reveals his character outfit. <laughs> I guess he was, he was still wet, uh, wearing the cloak before. And his character outfit is leather pants and a leather sleeveless shirt with really strong shoulder pads all embellished with chrome uh, around the edges with a matching belt so chunky that it's almost like a boxer's (laughs) champion belt. It's iconic. It is. It is. Yeah, I always loved the attire of gods in Xena Warrior Princess because since they don't have to be dressed appropriately with the time period, the costume designers can basically do whatever they want. Yeah, I mean... Let's let's say generally, 
the show creators are not too concerned with dressing people appropriate to the time period. Uh, not too concerned, but like they made some effort, at least in terms of materials sometimes, in terms of like poor villagers. But yeah, whenever the gods are present, the outfits are all over the place. And I kind of love that. And I really actually dig Eris's uh, costume. Like maybe it's the small teenage Alice talking again. <laughs> But um, I have to admit, yeah, his outfit resembles a wannabe rocker stage costume. I mean, I, I love it. it. The the costume is, is great. I think I would look great in it. Like, oh, yeah. Give me, give me that mm. outfit. So then Ares tries to convince Xena to come back to him and conquer the world. Um, and he gives her a bunch of papers which is like his political program i think <laughs> it's so so weird yeah like and then on on each paper there's like a separate point of his political program and it includes reasonable taxation pensions education <laughs> and he like asks her to sign the papers it's it's really, really random. It's again this weird corporate element that just springs out of nowhere. We're in episode six, and I think half of the episodes so far have had like weird, like either weird corporate speak or these like weird corporate gestures. What's happening? Yes, and and mostly they're connected with the villains the baddies are the corporate ones usually that's true that's true uh xena is secretly anti-capitalist you you heard it here first then aries says the following <laughs> fulfill your destiny and fill me again with the delicious side of you the warmth the strength of you um so I think our boy Aries is a bottom. <laughs> totally. He totally is a bottom. I think their whole relationship with Xena is based on that, especially in the later seasons we're going to see that. And I don't know, I guess Xena attracts tricky bottoms. Uh -huh. uh, but yeah, I also really enjoyed how in control Xena is in every situation with Aries. Like before offering her to sign the new taxation document, he offers her to get out of her undergarments, this little shrunken undergarments, and wear, I guess, a silk robe. And Xena takes off her undergarment without a shred of modesty, looking straight into Eris's eyes as he is admiring her body. And damn, really, Xena is really hot there. Yeah, yeah, she really is. And this is, I think, the second time we, we see xena be entirely chill about her own body and, and nudity with with random guys it's just not something that she's concerned about there's no like oh let me cover this boob mm -hmm. cover that boob she's, <laughs> she's just really really comfortable and she sees no reason to concern herself with such trivial matters as some some dude seeing her body naked yeah, that's very refreshing actually. i know i know that that is actually really really cool and maybe coming back to our conversation earlier about male gaze and and the ways that xena is sometimes refreshingly not that uh the mm -hmm. ability to treat a naked female body as just a body and not something to ogle necessarily is Nice and very rare. Mm -hmm. Still. <laughs> yes, yes, unfortunately. Um, so Ares asks Xena to look out the window and she sees an army of thousands, which would be hers. I don't know whether these people are real. Like, from what I understand, the bedroom is like essentially the matrix <laughs> where uh, <laughs> he can just get those warriors uh to appear magically because everything is an illusion but how would he actually get those worries for her in the real world i think he's like i'm going to worry about that later 
first and get Zena back. And then we'll see. <laughs> so I kind of liked, like, with all the ridiculousness, I kind of liked the scene in The Matrix uh, because all those temptations when um, Ares is offering more and more and more and more things to Xena and Xena has to resist. It kind of looks like the temptation of Christ, but I kind of I kind of dig it. I'm kind of into it. Okay, yeah. Um, Xena asks Ares what is in it for him in this whole situation. And I shit you not, the god of war answers, and I quote, the war at peace under a great leader. Like, I can't believe he didn't bother to come up with a better lie. <laughs> no, I kind of dig it, actually. I like that it's blatantly it's blatantly bullshitting from Eris's side because um, usually those biggest bigots, biggest bigots, uh, the people who are usually more about war and weapons and don't give a fuck about other people in peace, they're usually the ones screaming the loudest about peace. And I think that that is the show being a little satirical here. Yeah, yeah good point. So Ares tells Dina that all she needs to get the party started is to call <laughs> out his name. And then he takes her out of the matrix and returns her to her. Meanwhile, Gabrielle is talking to the elder about the trial and she asks whether she can represent Xena in the trial as her defender. And the elder says it's impossible because the villagers barely even agreed on a trial, let alone a fair one. So it's okay to have a trial, but in order for the villagers not to totally freak out, we need to make the trial unfair. <laughs> cool, yeah, sure, that makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. We immediately cut to the villagers testing out a new way to execute people i guess yeah so we, we, we cut to to the villagers testing out a way to execute people by dragging them behind a, a carriage and they're using a scarecrow this time but we're clearly shown that that's what would ha happen to to xena if if she's pronounced guilty and um Zena's taken into the street in chains and she sees it happen. So Ares appears to her, lifts his eyebrow um, <laughs> slightly as in to ask, you want out yet? And Zena really, really subtly shakes her head no. <laughs> then the fax machine guy ties the rope around Zena's feet which is weird. Like, are they skipping the fake trial? I don't. I don't get it. Cut straight to the good part. Yeah. Cut straight to the lynching. Yeah. Okay. Um, and Gabrielle sees it and uh, ties the middle of the rope around her neck in protest, saying that if they're going to murder one, they might as well murder two. So the village elder intervenes, says that the trial has to take place, and the that the villagers would have to kill him too if they want to skip the trial. Spontaneous protest. Yes, yes. Uh, throughout this time, we get some extreme close-ups of Xena and Ares. It's, it's quite <laughs> uh, The villagers grumble, but they agree. And also for some reason, uh, this means that Gabrielle does get to represent Xena. Mm -hmm. And soon we're going to get to the core drama part of this episode, which I also really enjoy with them playing with the genre. And this is one of the moments where Gabrielle proves to Xena that she's not going to bail on her and that she is willing to risk her life for her. Mm -hmm. So back in the dungeon, uh, Xena tells Gabrielle that what she did was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, but Gabrielle shakes that off and she wants to talk defense strategy and so she asks Xena whether anyone saw her fight the hooded man Xena is pretty sure that nobody did Gabrielle then goes to the crime scene to look for exonerating evidence mm -hmm. and she notices that there are boot prints in the ground and there are some that are Xena size 
and some that are much larger. When Gabrielle notices this, she runs directly to the elder, tells him about that, and he goes to the crime scene with her to to check. But uh, Ares appears just before they arrive and magically erases the prints. Mm-hmm. So the elder is understandably annoyed that Gabrielle dragged him out of there for nothing. Yeah, once again, I really enjoy this detective Gabrielle being giddy, looking for evidence, measuring the footprints with her palm. Uh, it's it's a nice touch. But also it's funny that Ares did not think of erasing the footprints on his own. And only when Gabby was like, oh, there are footprints. And Ares is like, oh, oh, right, shit, I have to delete the footprints okay delete it look aries works smart not hard uh finally we see the trial and a few witnesses are testifying so during the cross-examination gabrielle says that everyone seems to have heard the sounds of swords clashing even though none of the murdered or injured villagers were carrying swords then Gabrielle rightfully explains that it makes no sense for Zena to have helped one of the villagers with his wounds, and it's entirely unsurprising that she would get some blood on herself from that. But then the surviving guy is carried in uh, with his milkmaid wife uh, next to him. <laughs> and he's kind of semi-conscious, I would say. He says that he saw Xena covered in his blood, and that's all he says. <laughs> he me- immediately he's carried away without being cross-examined, without saying anything else. Uh, the trial is adjourned, and the elder is supposed to decide in the morning. Yeah, but once again, I really enjoyed the court drama portion of the program. I liked how it, it was shot, even the lighting in that scene resembles a court drama and how the camera goes from Gabrielle's face to the witnesses to the suspects, which is Zena. But also it kind of, spoiler, the elder is not going to decide in Zena's favor. I think we all kind of assumed that. And it's kind of like a critique on justice system because... Gabriel really does make very good points. And if they would approach this without emotions, they would understand that she's right. But of course, the trial is rigged. Yeah. Before the the trial concludes, that night, the fax machine guy walks into the dungeon where Zena is chained and starts flogging her. Is it me or was everyone getting flogged on TV and in movies in the 90s? Like, I remember it happening so much as a kid. Could you elaborate on that? Because I cannot think of any other examples. What other examples do you remember? I think there are these like French soft erotic type of movies called Emmanuel. All right. And that happened there. Uh, don't ask me why why I was watching French soft erotic <laughs> movies in the, <laughs> at the age of six. Because you're fond of French culture, right? <laughs> yes, I mean I am I am French uh, in addition to other things. Uh, so it, it is it is my culture, I suppose. But um, <laughs> so there's that. Um, I mean, it's not it's not. 90s it's early 2000s but uh the pirates of the caribbean had that a bunch of other mm. shows and, and movies like i remember seeing it a lot so i guess flogging was the king of the 90s right? i suppose yeah and then everyone <laughs> seems to have kind of gotten over it so actually the, the fax machine guy doesn't do a lot of flogging he like does it a little bit at the beginning and then and then he changes his mind and starts punching xena in the stomach in the meantime, as Xena, the real person, is getting punched in the stomach, Xena and Ares have a chat in the Matrix with him trying to convince her again to join him. And this time, he he seems to convince her because Xena leaves the Matrix, rips the chains holding her super easily, like they're made out of paper or something. Mm-hmm and punches the fax machine guy. She then kicks the dungeon floor off of its hinges. 
<laughs> and fights a couple other villagers that came in with a fax machine guy to to brutalize her. Then Gabrielle walks in because she clearly hears some kerfuffle. She wants to see what's what's going on, but Zena is so blinded by her rage that she punches Gabrielle too, and she mm-hmm. flies two meters into the air. Immediately after that, Zena kind of sobers up from her rage craze, and uh, we cut to her, I guess a few minutes later, tending to the wounds of the people that she beat up. The elder walks in and says that he doesn't get why Zena didn't run away. Zena answers that it doesn't matter whether she has killed those villagers because she's done worse. Yeah, and I think that that's kind of like the main reveal of the episode because Zena can easily get out of the situation, but her guilt won't let her because she kind of feels that if she has done bad things in her past, then she maybe has to suffer the consequences here, even though she didn't do anything to those particular villagers. Also, one of the interesting points here is that we kind of further down the line in the series, it's strongly alleged that Ares is in fact Xena's father. And I know that like, (laughs) it's a little gross now because clearly those two have chemistry and sexy times are suggested but still it kind of makes sense when you see scenes like this because Xena does seem like a demigod being able to yank chains out of walls and being able to defeat entire armies things like that but also I think it's important that Gabrielle is the one that makes Xena sober up from her Hulk moment. It's when she punches Gabrielle, she's like, oh, fuck, what am I doing? And it's also an important thing in the relationship. I think that very few times we see some sort of physical violence going on between those two. Yeah. I mean, in terms of the the sexy incest between uh, Xena and Ares, I guess that's one of the ways that the show is kind of sort of true to uh, ancient Greek myths. Oh, yep, yep. (laughs) So no, no problems there. Sometime later in the night, Gabrielle rides to the dungeon on Argo and uh, talks to Xena through a window, offering to help Xena escape. Gabrielle also says that it wasn't Xena who hit her, which... I feel like it's not a great thing to say. Like, as as we later see, like, the relationship between Zena and Gabrielle is not abusive, and this is not like an ongoing problem in the relationship. But in many real human relationships, mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, and um, I think this perspective of like oh it wasn't it wasn't you who who hit me i i know that's not you and, uh, i just don't love the sound of it no no it's kind of like the ni- 90s showing um here yeah Zena declines she says that she's got a better offer and uh she tells gabrielle to leave then she immediately realizes how much of an asshole thing it is to say. Yeah. And kind of catches herself and lets Gabrielle know that she's glad she came back. But Dina says it's still in this like totally robotic voice. Yeah, this scene kind of makes me think that Zena is, at least in some ways, a terrible girlfriend because she's always going to have this guilt with her and she's always going to be ready to sacrifice herself and at least at this point it doesn't seem that she kind of realizes the amount of grief that it would bring Gabrielle she's just like oh I need to do this and you need to move on bye yeah yeah and I think the scene does a pretty good job in terms of showing this self-destructive nature of living with this conviction that you're a terrible person and how it hurts you, but it also hurts others that care about you. 
surprising we, we go surprisingly deep into Gabrielle's and Zena's relationship here. Yeah, yeah, true. So right after Gabrielle leaves, um, Dina calls Ares and again gets transported into the Matrix. They're really like she's not using that bedroom set <laughs> to the max. <laughs> he he's like, I paid for it, I'm gonna use it. Yeah. Um, but she's not only transported there, she immediately falls onto the bed and Ares ap- appears to be lying there with her. But by the looks of Xena's cunning little smile she doesn't mind or at least she kind of likes that she has him wrapped around her little finger but still i think that there is chemistry there and i kind of stand by it i think out of all hetero romances a romance with Ares is the one that i believe in the most yeah yeah the definitely more convincing than a lot of the others we will see so Zena says that she's kind of not in the mood to be executed, but she wants to wait for the verdict. She also wants to make sure that she can have anyone she wants in her army, including people that are dead, so brought back to, to life. And Zena makes sure that she gets Ares to confirm that she can get anyone she wants. Yeah, and also when Zena is in the process of bullshitting Ares, she says something like, you're irresistible. And it's subtle, but you can totally see that she kind of means it as you're an asshole. <laughs> also, also when Zena gives examples of warriors who she might want to resurrect from the dead, she says, Hector, Achilles, Agamemnon, but they're long gone. But, but... Meanwhile, there is going to be an, uh, an episode connected with the story of Iliad and Troy and the following of Troy and Helen. And that is coming up next in season one. And also, poor Nardad's family and his village fled the fallen Troy. So the timeline for Xena's first season is all over the place. <laughs> Yeah, but let's not worry about that. Who who cares about these tiny details? <laughs> I totally don't care about these tiny details. What I do care about how Ares is going to make Hades give up those warriors. <laughs> or any dead people for that matter, because it seems that Hades is running a pretty tight ship. So I can imagine Ares just coming up to Hades like, yo, uncle, I really am too into this warrior chick, and I promised her that I would bring some folks back from the dead for her. Please, please, pretty please. Aww. Do we get to meet Hades in, in the series? Yes. Oh, cool. I, I don't remember him at all. I remember some of the gods quite well, but not Hades. I had crushes on a lot of dudes from Xena Warrior. How oh, dare you? Don't judge me. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that Hades was also one of them. He has very emotive eyes. Aww. That's very sweet. In the morning... Zena is taken into the street and pronounced guilty of killing Bob, Tom, and Peter. Zena is about to be executed, but then tells Ares that she demands that he honors the deal and brings her as her protectors, Bob, Tom, and Peter. Da da da. <laughs> so Ares chuckles, recognizing that he's been played. And he brings the dudes back to life. And the villagers are 100% happy and 0% freaked out. Yeah, they act as if this, oh, sure. Hey, dude, I thought you were dead. You're not? Oh, cool. Not only are they not dead, they're totally okay. Completely healthy. (laughs) No wounds. Their clothing has like no tears on it they just they magically appear and everyone's like yay and bob tells everyone that xena fought the hooded man who tried to kill him and that she's a super duper nice lady and the villagers again literally go yay oh we're kind of glad that we did not lynch her now all is good yeah yep yep uh, the elder immediately pronounces Zena not guilty, and Ares tells Zena that he'll see her later. 
<laughs> but also the villagers when they are brought out and the way that they're brought back to life is that they're just coming out of the barn somewhere in the village we kind of have to understand that they have they've been brought back from the dead and they have this oh is it really happening look on their faces and uh they kind of are touching their bellies that were were sliced with Eris's sword and that really reminds me of the ending of the new Dracula movie with Nicolas Cage uh, where one of the people in the end says thanks for bringing us back to life uh we've now seen things that we cannot unsee and now we know things that we cannot unknow <laughs> so if you haven't seen this movie go watch it it's cool um yeah yeah i mean Nicolas Cage alone is a reason to to see this movie. He he Nicolas Cages the fuck out of every single shot he's in and it's glorious. Like honestly, if you enjoy Xena, you will enjoy this movie. So, as they're walking away from the village, um Xena thanks Gabrielle again for coming back after getting punched by by Xena, and this time she means it. Mm-hmm. And Zena also says that she owes Gabrielle. Gabrielle responds that she owes Zena too, and punches her in the armor, hurting Ouch. only herself. Only at this point does Gabrielle also ask Zena, um, and how exactly did those dudes come back from the dead? And Zena tells her about Ares, but we don't know how much detail she goes in because the episode ends. Yeah, it literally seemed like let's talk about our exes moment. If we assume that Ares was actually an ex and not like an invisible mentor, like the angel of music. So, still, how many chakrams do you give this episode? Um, hmm. I'd say it was a pretty, pretty strong one. Um, maybe I would give it an eight because uh, I think I, I, I have my previous ratings recorded and I think uh, the first three episodes I gave a seven and I would say that this is better than those first three but it's I wouldn't say it's one of my favorites still so I will go with eight yeah yeah I would agree an eight for me too I really enjoyed the dynamic between Ares and Xena. I really enjoyed the playing with the genre, with the detective story and court drama. But I know that better episodes are coming. Stay tuned. This has been Xena Made Me Gay. Tune in next time for episode 7 of season 1. See ya! Bye!